And I lift that up to you because the scripture I'm going to read to you is one of the uh, times where you're going to hear Jesus refer to the three persons of the Trinity. Uh, the Trinity is um, a, a symbol. It's a triangle. It's actually a memory device. Uh, probably one of the best ones I've ever seen because it helps God's people remember the different shapes and forms that God love, God's love has been revealed. Trinity is a great thing. Ideas, concepts help us remember. Um, holidays help us remember. Uh, creeds, it used to be people would memorize creeds. They help us remember Poems used to be people would memorize poems and in school they help us remember um, songs, lyrics. I, I know thing I know songs that I learned when I was in fifth grade, you know, because they came in the so, in the form of music. Uh, Jesus is speaking to his disciples here and saying, "You all need to remember John chapter fourteen. Uh, beginning at the 25th verse. Jesus said, I've said these things to you while I am still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said. Peace. I will leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I'm going away and I'm coming to you. And if you love me, you will rejoice that I am going to my Father because the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you this before it occurs so that when it does occur, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming he has no power over me but I do as my father has commanded me so that the world may know that I love the father now rise and let us be on our way this is the word of God for the people of God thanks be to God so all the things that Jesus says in this uh, farewell discourse wind up with, now rise and let's be on our way. You remember Jesus has been very busy moving around the country doing things, right? And he doesn't want the disciples to sit in melancholy and remembrance and do nothing. He wants them to be on their way. But the sermon today is, is, it's not a sermon about the Trinity. I could preach sermons about the Trinity all day and you all could go, oh, that was really great. The sermon today is about getting on your way, getting up to doing what God is doing in the world. How do we know? How do we remember? How are we motivated to be the people of God who were the followers of Christ? Jesus said to his disciples, I want you to go and be on your way. Now you need to do this with peace and not fear. I don't want you to be motivated by anxiety and fear. I want you to go on your way with a peace that passes understanding. Peace I'm going to give to you so that the love of God can abide in your heart. So how do we do this? It, it seems to be um, a difficult thing to stay motivated, to stay connected to God. 
throughout the generations, uh, um, human beings have, have been searchers. We, we long for this thing, which I'm going to call love. Um, some people call it God. Um, we are, human beings have longed for this. We search for God. We search for truth. We search for meaning. We have this longing to know what love is. And if you read much philosophy, which I know you do, or poetry, or if you listen to love songs, or if you, if, if you read novels, right, you know that this is something that people long for. Human beings long to know what love is, and we search for it. Some of the greatest philosophers have, have, have searched the depth of what it is that we long for. And uh, 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 what is it? 17th century philosopher Soren Kierkegaard summed up what I believe is the sum of most love songs and poems and philosophers when he says, truth does not abide nor generate from the human heart. That we are not the source of love. That we are not the source of truth. That we are not the source of meaning. It comes from elsewhere. But what it is that binds us together is that we're in a quest for it. We long for it. We hunger for it. We thirst for it. And Kierkegaard and others and songwriters and romance novelists all say, well, it doesn't come from your heart. There's something outside, something divine, something other than that we long for because we've convinced ourselves that we're going to fall short. Um, the picture I showed in the beginning about uh, this sermon is a picture of Jesus with his 11 disciples. Go ahead and show that one. And I want you to look at this picture carefully. This is, this is him with his 11 disciples. And if you look in the corner, there's a shadow in the corner, in, 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 the, in the doorway. Do you see it? That's Judas. You see, Jesus said this right after Judas had walked out the door and the disciples had become convinced, oh my gosh, we can't rely on each other. We can't rely on, on, on our connection to each other, our love for each other, the fact that we've been together all this time. This morning's sermon is Jesus wrapping up, or just the text is when Jesus is wrapping up what's called his farewell discourse, and he goes on and on and on talking to the disciples about what's going to happen after he goes to be with God, after he accomplishes what God has asked him to do, and that is to offer himself for the world. He's telling the disciples that he's not going to be with them physically anymore and that they're not going to get to talk to him like they have been. He's going to be with God. And he says, oh, but don't you worry. Don't you worry. Even though you've been following me around and we have been really close and camping out for all these three years, God's going to send you the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Greek word is the paraclete. God's going to send you this spirit, and the spirit is going to be with you even though I'm not. Now, now these disciples, I like to think they're like you and I. Um, 
I don't know how I'd feel about that. I've been with Jesus all this time. I have seen him perform miracles. I've seen him take a blind man, put mud on his eyes, and he, his eyes began to work. I've seen him heal broken limbs. I've seen him feed 5,000 people. I've seen him uh, silence crowds of righteous Pharisees who are about to stone a woman to death. I've seen Jesus do these amazing things, and I want to be with him when he's doing it. In fact, when I'm with him, I feel something I've never felt before. It's real. It's powerful. It does stuff. And now he's leaving, and he's leaving this spirit? I don't think so. My grandfather was a preacher, and, uh, and I remember him, uh, having, he had a saying about people in the church who would always say, well, God bless your heart, or I'll pray for you, but they would really never do anything for you. He said, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. <laughs> and there are cynics in the church, and maybe among those disciples who are going, okay, this is it. Because this spirit, is it really real? Is it really going to heal people? Is it going to make blind see and the lame to walk? Is it going to feed folks? I think the world... It's full of cynics. They probably look at you as they say, bless your heart that you still believe that there's something real that you can't see. I think there are cynics in the church uh, who are not sure if this spirit is actually real. But I would say that by your presence here today, I know mine is, is that I'm here because I really do believe there's this thing called love. And it doesn't come from my heart. In fact, I know my heart will fail me. I'm pretty sure yours will too. I know Judas's did. I know that they, that they were convinced that the human heart is not the source of love, but that somehow Jesus was the source of love, and they wanted to be with Jesus, and he now says he's going and leaving us with the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. And we say, yeah, right. But let me, let me remind you that you, you do believe in love, you do believe in the Holy Spirit. I've seen it. I think your presence and your prayers, these are all things that are real things that we do that exemplify that love is real. Memorial Day, okay? Now, some, some things about holidays and Memorial Days I don't like because of nostalgia or sentiment. I don't think nostalgia or sentiment are real. But I think love is real. I don't think nostalgia or sentiment really ever gets anything done. But the idea that somebody loved me enough to fight in a war and sacrifice their life for me takes me back. It does something to me. It's real. It changes and affects me and makes me feel differently about the citizens of the nation I'm a part of. And this happens all over the world. Love is real, and it does change things. Um, you probably know this if you've ever fallen in love. I mean, anybody, if you've ever fallen in love, um, you probably were not very cynical about love. Now, a lot of people would say, now, if you're going to fall in love, make sure you fall in love with somebody your parents will approve of. 
Make sure you fall in love with somebody from a good background, with a good job, has good prospects, speaks the same language you, you do. Make sure you fall in love with somebody of the same culture, the same race, the same language, the same tradition, the same nationality, the same religion by God. And I'll bet you if you are not a person who fell in love with somebody who isn't like that, than your parents did. Or if you did, and you're, you know, you're just fully compatible with the person you fell in love with, and your parents were fully, but I bet your grandparents have a story. I bet there are stories in every one of your lives where you can point at love, and it didn't make sense, and it wasn't a good match, and there's everything wrong about it, and it happened anyway. How many of you know that love in your marriage, or your parents' marriage, or your great-grandparents' marriage was not perfect, but it is real, and you know how you know it's real? Because you're here. That's really what faith does for us. It allows us to believe in something that you can't really see that doesn't make sense to the world, but you know it is real. Love comes from somewhere else. It's not out of your heart. It's not because you made good decisions. It came to you. It is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Love comes from somewhere else. It's not a gland, and it's not about your physical attraction to somebody. It's a real thing, the Holy Spirit. Jesus said it is important to remember, to remember where love comes from. I think genealogies are important. I think you need to know where you came from because it's real. Even though it may have nothing to do with your day-to-day -day life, you should know that. Uh, Memorial days are real. They are good things. Holidays, they used to call them holy days because the holy days connected you to the holy, to what love is. Um, Beth and I just moved from a big house into a two-bedroom apartment, and we really downsized. We had a bunch of, bunch of stuff. But the other day, she was in a box. She kept a box of nostalgia, of pictures and things. And, um, and while she was going through this memory box, she calls it, right, she pulled something out that, uh, I, don't, I don't know why she has it. I'm going to show, show, show them what she pulled out. This is proof that, that Beth believes that love comes from somewhere else. What this is, is an old magazine article from a nature magazine. And it has an article about somebody from Charlottesville, uh, Camp Holiday Trails. I don't know if any of you know that guy, Peter or somebody. Anyway, Beth, Beth, I said, what are you keeping this old ratty, you know, newsletter from 1982 and she goes, well, this is the article that I read when I was in South Carolina, in Greenville, South Carolina, looking for a summer job. And I read this article, so I called this camp in Charlottesville, Virginia, Camp Holiday. Anybody know Holiday Trails? No? Yeah? All right. Anyway, I didn't. So I called this guy, and he goes, no, I don't, I don't have any jobs for the summer, but I know this guy named Ron Roby at Camp Overlook. So, anybody know Camp Overlook? Yeah, we went to this. Okay. So, Ron, she calls Camp Overlook, calls Ron Roby, and he says, no, I don't really have any jobs this summer. By the way, Ron Roby is the camp director of Camp Overlook, but when he was a college student, he was my camp counselor at Camp High Road, where I went. 
But Ron says, you know, I hear they're hiring people at Camp High Road. Why don't you call there? So Beth calls Holiday Trails. No, calls Overlook. No, calls Camp High Road. And the guy says, well, we've hired somebody for the summer, but he's not here right now. He's off at an outward bound school. He's coming back. But I'll hire you right now because I need somebody next weekend. So she came to try to take my job. <laughs> and the rest is romance. And Beth has kept this thing for memory's sake. Because to her, that's real. As far flung as it is, as unlikely as it was, the idea that we were brought together by something larger than ourselves or our good choices or her persistence that somehow we hang on to these things that help us remember that we're connected to a power and a spirit that is above and beyond us, that there's something more going on in the universe than chance or randomness, that it's not all up to you. And what we really long for is to be attached to that thing that is going on that is bigger than us. And that's what the disciples had in Jesus. They met this guy and they said, there's something more going on in the world and I want to be with it. And they left their boats and they left their jobs and they left their families. They left everything to be with Jesus. And that's what it's called. That's, that's the call on our lives. This is what's going on in the world. And if you want to be a part of it, then you go with Jesus. And now he's saying, and I'm not going to be with you anymore. I'm going to leave you the Holy Spirit. Ah! It's an, more than an idea. idea. Ideas are good. I think the Trinity is a great memory thing. I, I think uh, history and academic ideas are, are really good memory. I think creeds we, you know, that were written hundreds of years ago, we still recite them in the church to remember. We have constitutions that we write down so that we can remember things. Um, I, I really, I, I even see... The, the memory of science and, and, and analytics and physics and evolution as ways to study and observe things that connect us to something bigger. And I like to call it the unseen hand of God. This is a, an ancient mural in Spain, and it, and it depicts, um, a, it is a depiction of the Holy Spirit. It's this idea that somewhere in your deep, deep heart, you know that your heart is not the source of love. But there's a source that's greater than you, and it comes from elsewhere, and it has a lot to do with the things that go on in your life, and it has a lot to do with the things that are going on in this world. And if you want to be a part of what God is doing in this world, you've got to go with the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus is not walking around here talking to us anymore. He has sent the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. So this Holy Spirit, we better learn something about it. We better be really comfortable with it. If we're going to be about the work of God in the, in the world, there's, there's no doubt that in the disciples' mind, God was up to something. And Jesus said to them, and Jesus says to us, that this thing that God is up to, um, I'm going to show you how to do it, and then I'm going to embody it as I offer myself for you and for this world, and I want you to do the same thing, and I want you to go from this place filled with the Holy Spirit to be about 
the work of God in the world. And here's how you're going to do it. The Holy Spirit is going to be your advocate. I like advocate. The Holy Spirit is going to be your rememberer. Every time we have communion, we say the Spirit is helping us remember. The the Holy Spirit is going to be your reminder. I know there's nobody here who was about to walk out the door and go do something, and then all of a sudden something comes in your head that you had completely forgotten about. And, and it came into your head for no good reason. And you go, oh my gosh, thank goodness, I, thank goodness I remembered that. Because, oh, it would have been terrible. The Holy Spirit's going to be your advocate, your rememberer, your reminder, and your teacher. And the Holy Spirit is going to help you hear me, even when I'm not with you. And you have to learn from the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Holy Spirit is, is, uh, there are some traditions that say, oh, it just fills you up just like that. But in the Methodist tradition, the Wesleyan tradition, we believe you have to exercise the Holy Spirit. You have to put into action the things that you do that help you remember, that help you remind you, that that teach you. We come to the church and we worship together. We, we, We share the sacraments together. We study together. We sing together. All in hopes that the Holy Spirit would remind us and teach us how to be about what God is doing in the world, not because we're afraid of what might happen if we don't, but because we have found such peace with Christ. And that's the last thing that Jesus teaches about the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit brings you peace, that you are motivated not out of your fear of, I don't know, global warming or the ozone level or you know, all, all the th- anxieties that there's too much violence in the world, injustice, that, that we want to fix the world. But the Holy Spirit fills you with a desire to to be about what God is doing in the world, not out of anxiety, but out of peace. And we learn that from each other by being with each other and experiencing what it means to be the church. In a couple of weeks, we're going to have Pentecost, where the church celebrates its birthday. The birthday of the church when the Holy Spirit entered the people. And this peace that passes understanding, This Holy Spirit peace is a peace that can enter an individual, it can enter a group, it can enter a community. The Holy Spirit does things. And while you can't always see it, you really know it's happening. Um, The Holy Spirit's been a troubling doctrine for the church because people are afraid of it. It can be intimidating. I'm not sure I want the Holy Spirit. Oh, I missed. And the Holy Spirit's unpredictable. (laughs) But it's a real thing. Her hair was just blown back by something that she didn't see and was intended for him. Are you open to that kind of spirituality? The idea that the love of God in this world is active and though you can't see it and it isn't dependent on all your right decisions and all your right doctrines and all your right politics but it is dependent solely on the action of God in this world. Do you want to be a part of that? Jesus says, I will leave you with peace. Not a peace that the world gives, not because you have all the right answers, not because you have all the right, not because you're wealthy or powerful 
or intellectual or anything, but simply because God has given us the Holy Spirit. Will you be open to that? Will you follow it? Will the Holy Spirit dwell in you even as Jesus was physically present with the disciples? Let's, let's pray about that. Help us, O oh God, to believe. Help us, O oh God, to know that your love and your spirit is active in this world and in us. Help us to rise from this place and go and be about what you are calling us to do in the world, not in our own power, not generating love from our own hearts, but because your spirit indwells in us. This is our prayer, which we offer in Jesus' name, praying as he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.